Hello, this is John Renaud, and you're listening to the Mobile Radio Carnival via the CEF.world. Check us out, Uncommon Genius for the Common Types. Hi, this is Paul Kaiser uh, from KMC3, Kaiser and the Machines of Creation. And we're here on behalf of the Mobile Radio Carnival. Fantastic, guys. And I cannot thank you enough for being here and talking to me. I love the hell out of what you guys do, <laughs> as, as I've already stated. Um, it, why don't we just start from, from kind of what maybe my listeners would want. Where are you guys located? Uh, Adelaide, South Australia. Okay. A long way away. And is that kind of a rock mecca? Is that a big city where rock and roll thrives? It's where a lot of rock and rolls began. Uh, bands like, <coughs> you know them as uh, Angel City. Yeah. The Angels. Uh, ACDC played a lot of their early shows here. Gotcha. Yeah, well, you guys, uh, you guys, you guys are, are like a huge rock sound. So I, I know the city you come from or where you come from doesn't play around with the idea of what rock and roll is supposed to be. Um, so... So, do you guys tour outside of Australia at, at points, or? Well, we were being prepared, uh, preparing for that for quite some time, then, right? With the advent of the album, but then you know this strange disease thing here. Indeed, indeed, uh, it or whatever the hell it is, at the worst possible time. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I, so it's impeded us in a big way. Yeah, and uh, so uh, of course, you, as you well know. Uh, Touring is off. Uh, pretty much playing locally is off. Uh, um, yeah, uh, unless we're capable of playing to uh, 150 seated people. Yeah, in a limited capacity, of course, as it is, and uh, and we're not prepared to do that yet. So, uh, gotcha. You guys, I mean, I assume both of you have been playing for some time. Um, but the band, if I understand correctly, was put together just a couple years back, two, 2017. Is that the right understanding? Uh, this formation of the band, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, with, with, with the events of the, uh, the keyboard player and the, uh, uh, the drummer, um, that, that's what gives us that date. Uh, Steve and I have been playing together for a good 10 years or more. Gotcha. Uh, and so uh, we've gone through uh, some ebbs and flows of... Uh, Members. Rock and roll members, yeah, or some things happen, and you do, and then you just get on with it. <laughs> and uh, so, and so, keyboards were new to the band coming in three years ago. You played pretty much without keyboards prior to that. Is that what's going on? No, 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 just a new keyboard player. Gotcha. Uh, essentially, uh, had a number of different members in a uh, different uh, formats. Well, three pre uh, precisely formats being KMC3, and so, um. Uh, this being the third third version of it, uh, or incarnation, um, uh, Mark three, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that, that constitutes um, well, at least two keyboards and many other members. <laughs> well, it's it, it, the reason I the reason I ask because uh, frankly, part of the the amazing response my ears got out of the first time I listened to you guys was the fact that. You have this kind of heavy metal vibe, and I wouldn't want to pigeon you into just that because obviously you're much more than that. But the keyboards and the way that you guys utilize keyboards, to me, 
really gives kind of this overall difference, a, a uniqueness to what you're doing, obviously mixed in with the vocal presentation as well. You know, you have a pretty unique uh, approach to singing. And um, so that I, I was just curious about that because it, it would have been kind of a shock to me that all of a sudden you just decided I'm going to throw in a keyboard player. Paul, don't you play some of the keyboards on, on the recorded music? Uh, yeah, well, um, I do a lot of bits and pieces on uh, seven tracks, but uh, ultimately not really keyboards as such, but uh, two of the tracks which I did record in my own studio at home, um, Not Tonight, Josephine, and um, uh, it, it, It's All, all a Lie. Um, yeah, I play the keyboards and uh, do everything. On, on not that. only that, Paul brings the demos to the, uh, you know, the rehearsal studio, basically fully formed. Right. And then gives us our run or let us, us us put our take on it. So yeah, he puts it all together yeah. initially yeah. anyway. So yeah. how far yeah. how far off do you guys drift on on like interpreting his vibe? Not very far. They're pretty complete demos by the time we receive them. Uh, he lets us have free reign on the parts, and if he thinks they're good enough to replace what he's already put on there, he lets us go for it. Right. But yeah, in terms of the arrangements and stuff like that, they're, they're quite fully formed by the time they're given to us to get into shape. And that's interesting. So you guys, the, the system pretty much is you, you have uh, the, the songs get written and then brought to the studio and then in a uh, top end studio, not necessarily a home studio, then you finalize the music. Is that how it works? That's exactly how it works. Two of the songs on there were fully recorded with Paul at Paul Studio here where we are now. Yeah. The rest of them yeah, was done in a top notch studio in uh, Adelaide there. Not to imply someone can't have a top-notch studio at home, but but that's... No, well, as it's turned yeah. out, we, those two songs ended up on the album. They weren't going to. They were two late additions to the album. And when we sent them away to be mastered, I mean, they fit in quite well recorded in the home studio compared to what was done in the studio in the city. Mm. Yeah. So that's kind of... allowed them to, to uh, fit in. Yeah. Well, I've also... I also noticed, too, that, that with your video work... Um, it, uh, to me, it has a very top end vibe to it. Is there a lot of, uh, is that big production on your part or is it, yeah. is it, yeah, it looks like it, it, it's really, it's really well done. And, 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 it, you know, I, obviously it looks like big production, but I don't know, you know, some people can figure this stuff out and they make it happen pretty smoothly, but yeah. is that's another thing that you guys just pull together and really put out top end effort on apparently. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've basically produced the video in my head uh, in uh, in a way that um, we can get on with it um, in um, accessing uh, areas and, uh, you know, defining um, parts of the project. And so we can start the filming. And uh, then at that point, it's up to everyone to put their, their part into it. So, right. you know, um, they look like they're in the video, so to speak, and uh, working with the cameraman, uh, Jason, particularly, um, uh, he, great guy, really easy to work with, and he really could really understand the vibe of the band and what was uh, going on. So to produce that um, and direct with some of his direction, of course, was uh, a pretty easy thing to do because uh, I had it all um, organised in my head. So, and so I, 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 I write down certain basic sheets and... So everyone had an idea. <laughs> I think we made the production look bigger than it was because we put a lot of effort in behind the scenes and bringing it all together. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think if we left it in the hands of others, that would have cost a lot more. It wouldn't have got done. It, it's, yeah. a really, it's a really cool um, 
addition to your vibe because it did feel it it feels really personal when i look at it uh you know for example winter's morning you know so who conceptualized the idea like the day of the dead stuff or the darker makeup stuff was that something paul you you came up with this idea because it aligns with the more the concept of mourning exactly right john um uh, there was a di- with a different videographer about back then uh, for that video. There was a guy called Nick Machen, who not sadly no longer doing video, but uh, uh, nonetheless, um, yeah, he, he was able to capture that sort of vibe, and he was part of the direction of that as well in a big way, big sort of way. And so uh, that, that was uh, just me without a band um, on, on that uh, conception. So uh, right, it worked out nicely. So. Yeah, it's it really has a nice nice vibe to it, and uh, you know the 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 ladies that were kind of like zombies and shit. So it was all it was all pretty it was all pretty cool, man. And then I noticed too, like sorry, mate, I tried to keep away from the lamo as much as possible. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do actually, and I noticed that to be honest with you, it's it's uh, one of the things I noticed about your videos is well, one of the things I notice about your work in general is you have this ability like obviously you understand um the type of music you're doing yet somehow you always personalize it and you always find unique ways to to add things to it like some some of your keyboard uses and some of the sounds some of the sonics involved with your music is really fascinating to me because it's obviously a guy who can play guitar as well as you do could can can do this type of music forever but the way that you find kind of hooks and sounds and, and really it's your overall musical palette that impresses me, like how your dynamics, like you seem to put in leads. I'm sorry, I'm rambling a bit, but I, I told you I'm excited talking to you because you're I think you're pretty happy with what you're rambling with. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you, you I'm listening to your songs and then all of a sudden, especially some of the more slower stuff. It's going along. Sometimes you're using acoustic guitar vibe that's not even rock and roll guitar vibe. And then all of a sudden, this lead section gets put into place that in no way feels like it would work, but it, it, it's like the most perfect thing at the same time. It's just such an interesting skill set that you've developed. I, I, don't, I guess that's a weird question because uh, I'm not asking you how you how you did it. I, that's just a one a long ass compliment, I guess, is what really it is. What I'd what I'd like to do though, so that people who are listening know what I'm talking about, is I'd like to play Winter's Morning at this point, and then we'll come back and talk if that's cool. Or actually, actually better than that, we'll come back and I'll let you guys talk. How's that? <laughs> Here we go with that.
wind dried my eyes And the river flows away with me To see what I could find All the people stood and stared With disbelief And you just laughed and turned away And smiled I've got That song, again, you, you, the way you use the keyboard in that, the keyboard vibe in that is so freaking amazing. Love the bass work in that as well. Uh, great vocals. It had a bit of a, a, if you guys, I don't know if you're Iron Butterfly fans, but it had a bit of Butterfly Blue. I don't know if you've ever heard this song. I have never heard that one. I know Iron Butterfly for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it is. We'll it, check it it's, out now for sure. It's just an amazing song. And and some of the vocal qualities match that. Obviously, you guys are heavy metal guys. Were you influenced largely by the American bands, the Australian bands, the English bands, or was it just a blending of everything? Well, I think that particularly for myself, um, the mixture of the uh, American, English, and European, uh, especially the American uh, bands with their uh, the different changes from the American uh, the, the, sort of the metal scene per se, um, how that's sort of evolved into sort of like many tangents of 
you know, of metal, you know, thrash, new metal, and all the different names. There's, there's a myriad of them. Um, and a lot of them I'm not that familiar with, really, and they seem all pretty much the same, but um, uh, th there's a lot going on there. Um, just on that metal scene alone with the American thing, uh, not to mention everything else, but there's a huge scene. Um, um, and then the European scene is um, very different again. Uh, quite intriguing, uh, the European scene, um, uh, it's got a, it's a different openness to it. Um, I don't know if you can grasp my meaning on what I do, I'm saying, well, um, uh, it's vastness of, of, of it, I guess. Um, right. Much different. Um, and, uh, and it's uh, the attributes of uh, the Scandinavian scene along with that, which has really permutated that. Um, that whole European scene and quite the right. scene in this fact, you know. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I suppose there's a lot of lot of things that that have uh, complemented um, my areas of music, I suppose, in my background and um, what I've been um, inspired by. Um, I couldn't uh, attribute it to anything, anybody particularly, I, I guess, you know. Um, there's so many great artists um, about, and, you know, and it's nice to be inspired by anything that you hear, really. Yeah, you, you you guys sound like you you have allowed yourself to be influenced by a great many things. I notice too sometimes when I hear some of your songs, there's a uh, psychedelic vibe to it that creeps in. It won't be there throughout the whole song, perhaps. But is that sure. is that a style like psychedelic blues? Is that a thing that you you enjoy playing at some point? Um, that might be a bit of a um, yeah. You think um, that was a. A bit of a loaded no, question, I perhaps. Right onto it, actually, John, because um, the originators <laughs> of, of psychedelic um, um, progressive music really was the Beatles. Right. Yeah. I, that's, I think that's a fair assessment, brother. Yeah, and and, uh, and particularly, uh, I think in one song, which when we were rehearsing it before we recorded it, uh, and when I'd had to refer to the section of the song, I'd always refer it to the oh, let's go to the Beatles section. Mm. And so there was that, um, um, oh, I don't know how many bars worth it is, probably 24 odd bars of, of, of it, uh, where it's got a little bit of a Beatles essence going on and right. then you go to the heavy section. Um, so, um, yeah, that, that's certainly uh, present. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's interesting because sometimes, this is again, this is what I really like about what you do musically. And I guess it's lumped into my idea of your grasp on dynamics. It's just... All of a sudden, this thing slips in, and I've noticed it most with the psychedelic blue vibe, and it doesn't tend to stay long, but it's there, and it's perfect for the moment. Um, and I'm just like, damn, man, this guy's just seeing. It's like shuffling in. I got I to fill this. No, I got to leave this open, and then I can put that in. It's just it's kind of an amazing thing, but I did take note of that. I wanted to ask if you were like a classically trained musician or a trained musician anyway, or did you just pick up the guitar and start playing it? Um, pretty much picked it up and started playing. Uh, I've always wanted to be trained, although it wasn't my main aspiration in any way. I just wanted to be able to play and um, inspired by many different types of artists, but inspired by, by and large, a lot of uh, artists that weren't just guitar players. They were just artists in different various instruments in their own right or, you know, vocal types of artists just by their music alone. 
and um, and lots of different cult- types of cultures as well involved. Particularly, they came from my parents' side um, that they would listen to. Um, in saying that, they like you're a trained teacher, guitar teacher. Yeah, yeah, and so um, I, 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 I've used all of that uh, as my inspiration to be um, my, my source of uh, knowledge to. Um, source the knowledge that I wanted to, to uh, look at and uh, I never was in a position where I was able to study or afford to study or had the right. time for it either and so um, uh, but I, I had a very good study ethic um, uh, per se and so um, I was able to pick up the books and understand them and just move ahead uh, not a problem associated with what I was doing and you know make heads and tails me. So that seemed pretty simple to me. Um, it was just my passion drip, um, that drove it that way. And uh, so developing that understanding, I was able to uh, become a teacher um, um, and um, tutor many schools and um, Catholic schools around to say, which I've just sort of finished doing the Catholic school thing. I've just had enough of that. that oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. No, I mean, it served me well, mate. You know, there's no problem there. But, you know, it's just, you know, when you've had enough of something. <laughs> it's so, pretty uh, it's pretty cool, though, that you can, I mean, I, I assume you slip a little rock and roll into those lessons, and it's it's pretty cool that uh, in such a rigid structure, meaning a Catholic school system, that you're allowed to kind of be a little lawless or let show students how to be a little lawless for from time to time. Well, I always found that a little intriguing myself, John, you know, because it was sort of like... What are we doing here? You know, this is a bit we're sort of weird. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is from one corporation to the to the next, <laughs> so yeah. to speak. You know, and so you know, it's all their business. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, I, um, never ask the questions, or you never get the answer. So, yeah. <laughs> That's funny, man. And so, is that how are you self-taught singer as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Uh, uh, on emulation of, of people that I've heard and uh, that I um, admire and over the years, of course. And um, uh, so uh, oh, I guess that's how, needless to say, uh, anyone develops certain styles or, you know, um, um, parts in their, their vocal um, singing that they sound like somebody else, for instance, you know. Yeah. Um, um, I'm getting a lot of that lately, which is really cool. So it's just really funny, actually. Um, yeah. Well, I think that would be because, I mean, I when I, like I referenced you to Iron Butterfly, a song about Iron Butterfly, and you, you have a nice, um, with your voice, I think I actually described it to you via email. For some reason, we we talked, or, and, and one of the references was Bowie, which I can certainly hear, like so in Flowers. Well, it, like in Flowers and Lies, I can I can really hear it there, whereas I don't hear it in other songs. And that's kind of cool that it's not just one person every time. Like, oh, yeah, I have a buddy who sounds like Bob Dylan every time yeah. he sings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he, he, he kind of hates it because he gets, <laughs> yeah. he gets pissed because people go, hey, man, you remind me of Bob Dylan. And he gets pissed, and it's like, dude, you sing like Bob Dylan. What the fuck? I mean, what, what, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, deny it. Oh, you sound like some guy. I can't put my finger on it, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but, but, I mean, with you, I don't hear it's where – I mean, I can hear where there's influence, but it, it's kind of like what you do with your guitar, man. It's not, it's not like you – 
bank on one thing, you find the thing that fits the song, which is really a fascinating talent. I, yeah. I think a lot of people, sure. you know, and there's nothing wrong with it, but they they have their one vibe and, and that's what they do with their band and their sound and the whole thing. And you're like, okay, I've heard the whole album and two songs sound different, mm, yeah. you know, uh, where I don't think you have that problem. It's, it's a very fascinating thing too. I think your songs feel like, um, it's almost like an orchestration really in a sneaky way uh, because you do fit so much variance into what's going on. Um, yeah. That's why I kind of thought maybe you had a little more training in, in, in a classical way. That's where that question came from. Uh, well, well um, similarly as to what Frank Zappa said, uh, you know, mm. I just go to the library and get books. And um, so as I was saying, that's a, 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 a uh, quite uh, easily um, train myself from books and understand them and then, then right. end up adapt and improvise that information into what I actually do. And so, uh, and I've been doing that for quite some time. I mean, it was an earlier time in my career where I was playing a lot of stuff before I realised actually what I was playing in terms right. of theoretically. Um, that's, um, uh, that's when I uh, did this turnaround um, uh, theoretically. So I made sure that I, uh, I, uh, not only just understood it, I could convey it um, and um, use it in the way that it should be used. And so um, uh, that in particularly, so uh, um, it's kept me away from doing like, as a lot of people do, the cover bands around maybe to you know, keep the money in or whatever. I don't yeah. really do that sort of thing. Although I've done a, uh, been responsible for a host of cover bands um, over a, long, a period of time, but um yeah you know, none of the uh playing every saturday night at the local type stuff you know yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. so uh, it's all been project stuff and that, that that's been exciting but um yeah more more passionate about music i i would think i mean i'm being presumptuous obviously but i would think that uh, it would be difficult for you to do cover because wouldn't you want to just inject it the way you do your music anyway? And all of a sudden now it's not covered because it's like, yeah, I, like, I dig what this guy's doing, but it doesn't sound like the Beatles or it doesn't sound like, you know, it doesn't sound like Bob Dylan, like the other guy that I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what sure. I'm saying? Yeah, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's freaking rugged, man. I, I, when I played out, um, I would do cover, but I would just be like, fuck it. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it, which sometimes it was completely different. And sometimes it was fairly close, but I'm not going to get all uptight about it. Right. But those cover bands, man, when you're doing Elton John, they want to hear Elton John, man, when you're yeah, doing clean, they want to, you know, yeah, and it's yeah. like, I, I would imagine that's, you know, you can do it. If you were doing it for the dough, that's where that trade-off would be. I would guess where it's like a fuck I'm here for the money. I'm going to do it. So so That's kind of, where the, the, the stuff that I have done has been project stuff. And yeah. uh, it's only had a limited life, and, and they've always like, had a bit of a limited life and then shelf. And, uh, and I always just get back to the original thing, you know, because I, that's, I can't live without that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. It's tough, and, and, it, and it's no knock on people that do it. I got, I got a buddy who does it. He's uh, this brilliant Canadian guitar player, and he, you know, he does an Elton John thing, and he, he's – you know, he's figured it out, but, but it's gotta be difficult, man. When you're just like, oh, I'm tired of sounding like Elton John. I'm tired of sounding like Bob Dylan. Mm. 
anyway, when you guys when you guys tour, when COVID goes away, is it going to be like a, a bus thing? Is it going to be hopping a jet and go stateside? Is it? Do you have any any idea what we're looking at? It'll be a jet bus. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> always one of the bus between. You almost gave me a spit take on that one. I, I like it, man. <laughs> I waited to the perfect moment. Yeah, man. I was going. I was going down with the whiskey. Going down with the whiskey, and it was yeah. Um, so you don't really at this point. It'd be tough to plan anything. I'm guessing. We've been speaking about that recently because, like, when we actually get out there, because I mean, obviously, we've been doing this for a while. When we go out there, we're going to be competing with like the 16 year old kids in bands and stuff like that. And I'm not sure how our legs are going to stand up to climb <laughs> into a panel van with all the equipment packed around us. It's like that's something that remains to be seen. <laughs> Look forward to the and challenge, be fantastic, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. At least, yeah, chill out on a decent hotel. It'd be nice, man. Hey, you know what? I'd like to put on another song. I'd like to play It's Okay to Wake Up, which was the uh, first one I heard and uh, is a fabulous song. If you guys are okay with that, I'll put that on. Definitely. Fantastic. Here we go. Yeah. 
Um, I think one of the most amazing things about that song is the lyrics, if this makes any sense at all, because the whole thing about like Picasso hiding on a, in a local drive-in, we, we can't outgrow the world. Who, who comes up with stuff like that? I mean, what, 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 what kind of mutant does it take that, what kind of rock and roll mutant does it take to figure that those are some beautiful lyrics, man. I dig the hell out of those lyrics. Yeah, I do too. I, I think they're great. The other thing about the other thing about that song is that whole lead segment is just fucking amazing. So I, like I want to ask how you come up with that because I, I figure that's what you, you just those come to you in your sleep. But the, so who's the lyricist? Are you writing all the songs at this point, Paul? Or yes, I am. What exactly is it like being Picasso hiding in a drive-in? <laughs> That's something one would have to perceive once uh, you've got an ingestion of the, of the lyrical content correctly. <laughs> then at that point, one doesn't want to answer. He's got to write that sort of the thing I love about it, man, is it's just like pure image and it does, it's kind of like, you know, all of a sudden it has yeah. this, this interesting vibe of like, it makes sense if you just listen to the words, Yes, you know, it's kind of like that Don McLean American pie where there's a bit of mystery in it if you overthink it, but if you just ride the song, yeah. it's a lovely image, man. It's got a very cinematic feel, that song. Yeah. So you have like, basically you're a renegade hiding out from the world. Hmm. I mean, that's what I picked up on. And it's gr it's great language throughout the whole thing, man. Thank you. How, Thank you. How how do I buy some of that ability? That's what I'm looking for. How do I? Is there <laughs> is there a trick to that? Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. No. I think you have to pay for it in some years of blood and sweat and turmoil and maybe a little party time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scary hey, what place. do you? Yeah, what, do you guys, <laughs> what do you guys think about how musicians have to market themselves in today's world? In terms of the internet and staying on top of all. Or being uh, in an electronic world as it is. What's that? Being an electronic world per se as it is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think. Uh, if anything, it's been a bonus for us at this point because otherwise we'd have nothing, all right, because we put the album out straight away. So we've got the album uh, as a physical and digital release where we can do stacks of promotion on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, is, that, is this the way, you, is this what you mean? Yep. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. how like it's, you know, some bands have issues with it because it's a lot of work and it's very tedious. And obviously, as to your point, it's, it's going to be a double-edged sword no matter what because you can reach more people. Yes, Exactly right. Now, if we didn't have this, uh, you know, to use at this point, uh, we'd be unheard of. Absolutely yeah. unheard of. We can't play. We can't play live. Mm. So, yeah, that's why, thanks to great you know, stations like Pluto Radio that'll play our sorts of music yeah. and that sort of thing, you know, that, that's brilliant. Otherwise, we would have no outlet whatsoever. Yeah, quite frankly, I, I don't understand a rock and roll station that wouldn't play you guys, but um, I guess there's no accounting for taste, as they say. Um, but what about, like, so... So do you, do you guys have a crew that takes care of your social media? Is that something no, you guys tackle? We do it all ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Hours and hours of just relentless contacting whoever yeah. we can. Steve and I do a lot of background work together. Then, and then Steve goes out and does a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, um, 
has he's got access through it through his uh, work um, his abilities there to do stuff that is much easier when no one's looking just jump on and send out a few emails that's pretty much right no, I hear you man you have to be able to constantly um, yeah yeah just can't let it die off mm-hmm. So, and yeah. and I assume because I do I do it largely for Pluto and um so it's kind of the same thing you know if mm-hmm. I if 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 I end up with extra time in life all of a sudden I'm doing that again mm-hmm. and I, I you know I mean I I have mixed feelings about it usually when I'm doing it I don't like it at all <laughs> because right, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. just it's just eating my time it feels like but I think uh, the vibe I'm picking up from you is is the payoff does seem to be there because you know going back 15 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to contact anyone. Exactly right. Exactly. Yeah, we wouldn't be talking to you yeah. now. Um, we'd yeah. be dead in the water. Yeah, we would yeah. be. Yeah. yeah, it would have just fallen apart. Um, it, it, that's too right. So we've been able to utilise that um, um, multimedia uh, facet in terms of our own PR work. And uh, we've done reasonably well yeah. with it. At the end of the yeah. day, we, we want to come out of the other side of this virus thing and at least have a bit of a profile built up and spend this time, you know, yeah. so we're not yeah. unknown. We'll come out with a profile. Yeah. We can play. Yeah. Um, and then as, and it'll be a head start rather than come out and no one actually knows who we are at all. Yeah. Right. Hopefully we've made some inroads into people actually even knowing who we are. See, to me, I, again, man, I, I, I'm just going to be complimentary. I don't understand how people wouldn't know who you are. Anyone who likes rock and roll music, at least. Um, I mean, if you're EDM, like my son, he's not going to ever figure out who you guys are and what you can actually do. But anyone who understands rock and roll should be able to figure you guys out and be interested, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, but we've only scratched like a really tiny surface. And tr- I mean, as much yeah. as we've approached and we've, and we've had mass- excellent reviews back, we get played on like a lot of stations. I would think. It's still only just scratching the surface. Do you guys think, do you guys think that maybe the, uh, I, I probably have you guys beaten some years here. I'm from Detroit, Detroit Rock City. Excellent. Uh, I, when I was young, Bands would make really good money doing three-hour sets at bars. And then came right. kar- karaoke came in a couple of years after that and basically ruined the amount of money a band could make. But people still were going out. And in today's world, it seems like maybe something else is happening as far as live entertainment goes. I don't know. What, what is your feel on, on, obviously, Corona, minus Corona. I'm not talking about because of Corona. Be- before Corona was was playing out a vibrant thing in not necessarily for you, I'm sure it was, but for all the bands and all the market. In this city in particular, back in the eighties and early nineties, there was a massive scene. And then we never used, you know, like slot machines, poker machines. Yeah. Okay. They used to be limited to just basically clubs in one state here in Australia. And then they regulation opened it up where they could be actually in every pubs and clubs. Oh man. So any rooms that were dedicated to bands before were no longer were actually now inhabited oh, by these machines and these people in there like pulling like these levers. So that's knocked it on the head quite a bit. In yeah. that reduction of uh, space being to able play. to facilitate bands to play out, yeah. of course, needless to say, things change in terms of the costs right. and everything else. And you know, and so it, it's a bit of a, a cycle thing. Uh, going on there. So it's saying that like, it limited the number of venues, but the venues that were still having bands were, were kicking on good, very well, kicking off. Um, yeah. What remains to be seen now are people now going to be too used to being at home and are yeah. going to be able to get them back out again. 
Yeah, because it well, for example, we talked about your videos and they look fantastic. So someone can just stay at home and and get their fix about you guys off of uh, YouTube. And, you know, I think that I worked at a a jazz club uh, until the Corona closing. And, man, I got to say, it's in it's just on the outskirts of Hollywood. And in the last two years pre-covid i would step outside to take a break and the streets would be empty right and i would think man i bet in 1965 in la this place was just packed yeah and so i I guess that's kind of what i'm asking about and it's not really fair to you know you're not going to really understand it because i'm i'm fairly sure when you guys play out you're playing to a a nice size room Mm -hmm. um but i was talking about in general uh, as to what what's happening there, L.A. It's a weird scene because it's it's a pay to play town, so okay. yeah. that gets a little evil just to begin with. Well, here because of the, the, the nature and the size of the, um, um, I suppose genres that play, um, things are changeable, changeable very quickly with uh, the new generation. Mm-hmm. Right. As the next generation comes in and they take over the hotel. The old generation doesn't have the same facilities to, to uh, be able to sort of present themselves in anymore. And right. So everything if they haven't already sort of like um, uh, made headway to in an uh, upward or incline of some sort of exponentiation, yeah, um, they're on an incline. And yeah. so, um, um, and that's when a lot of people just, of course, when they're in certain ages, they just tend to fall apart from it all. And, you know, when they should actually be putting more into it. Um, um, I've been uh, purely operating because I, I love it and I'm, so, I'm just passionate about it. So, yeah. And I'll yeah. never stop. It's, mm. uh, um, it, it's not, not about money, although, you know, I don't I have a hatred of money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it can be at, at this point. I honestly uh, don't think it can be. No. Uh, I mean, we started Pluto, Pluto Radio and there was uh, just a small number of us and, it was a big discussion like like well you know some of the people were all about well how do we make money from it and i'm like hey dude we ain't fucking making money from this it ain't gonna happen and you know we might be able to cover costs with some some stuff we do a we do a merch store and that helps pay some of the costs but thank you to australia yet yeah i know i'm sorry about that i'm sorry about that yeah 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 you know what the thing is, man, is the cost of shipping yes. is so we, we high. Found out ourselves. Oh, exactly. Right. We yeah, found out insane. trying to you know, ship, put a, a shipping price on our physical copy of the CD. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's impossible. I it's mean, like, it's about, yeah, what's the you, price of what we're trying to sell the CD for? Yeah. I'm like, dude, I wouldn't sell it at a loss. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I shipped something to one of the one of the hosts up in Canada. The cool thing about Pluto is the, the hosts are all around the world, you know, but mm-hmm. I shipped him a hat. I shipped him one of these hats, and uh, I think the shipping was thirty-five dollars. Wow! Wow! <laughs> yeah. And it's it's like L.A. to Canada. I mean, wow. I'm like, what what is going on? And and I didn't really know about that until we put the merch store together. And I'm thinking, man, if if we can't, you know, one of the guys is in Germany. It cost me like forty-five bucks to ship him a shirt, a t-shirt. Fifteen weeks. And you're like, yeah, and you still don't even. Know. And he's like, yeah, I don't even the know. Different size get here. by the time the shed arrives. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah that that was just, that was just a big eye opener for me because I thought, man, it won't be a problem. I did merchandise for Rick Springfield. I I got paid by a guy to do it, 
He's from Adelaide. Uh, I don't know where he's from. He, yeah, yeah, he is. He's an Australian fellow. He, you know, he's he started, I guess, playing in rock bands in Vietnam. Right. Okay. Yes. That's how you got to start. And I thought that was the weirdest thing. I'm like, first off, to me, Rick is just kind of like a. Um, he's a little too popish for my tastes. I mean, I never told I never told him that because he's a lovely guy, and obviously, he, he is a gifted guy. He's he's a pretty good yeah. guitar player too. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and, he was and, a seasoned guy before anyone knew it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think, I think, to my point, he, uh, he his hit songs kind of play down his ability, if mm. that makes sense. Like, I think he was oh, he sure. was a better player than what he had to do to be a, a you know a rock icon. Yeah, he used to be um, in a bank suit here. Yeah, but he was an accomplished fellow, right? Yes, yes, very much so. Yes. Yeah, charming guy too. Um, he um, seems like a really good guy. It's yeah, I got. Well, yes, very well. I, I got to watch him walk into a door wall one night at a Christmas party. He was. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I don't want to eat up your time with this, but it's a pretty funny story. He, he, he shows up at the party, and everyone's waiting for him to show up because every one of us make our livelihood off the guy. It's it's a company party, and so it just we people can't help it like it's like oh he's here he's it's this big thing like he comes in he's looking cool he's he's he's, 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 he's a tall good looking cat he's a really nice fellow he walks in the room and i happen to be standing by the sliding glass door right and, I, and i'm just standing there and and he walks in he's like hi everyone he's doing this big presentation and he looks at me at the last second and he goes hey man and he turns to step out and his face hits the glass like he walks oh, right Jesus. into the door oh. and he left he left like a grease print on the door it was pretty damn funny man it, you know it, he collected yeah. himself and of course because he's the star no one point it, it was like the elephant in the room type of thing man no one said a word yeah, I, I didn't oh, see that brother yeah. but it was uh shit i forget where i was going with all that i just had to tell you that stupid story um, <laughs> you know what i'm gonna I, i'm gonna i'm just gonna regroup i'm gonna throw on a great song called flowers and lies and then we'll be back and talk a little more guys good on you john
cool, man. Whew. Yeah, that was a stupid, stupid story with Rick. But uh, <laughs> anyway, here we go back into it. Now, on that song, I can definitely hear some Bowie influences. It's a really lovely song, and it's a song I, I honestly didn't expect from you guys in a way because it's it's ultra pleasant in a way i don't mean that in an insulting way at all but it's it's just got a loveliness to it that doesn't feel like rock and roll per se but then then, classical inspiration through uh throughout that song um yeah uh, myself or uh the time and when when actually uh, i'd culminated that song's form and um presented to the band uh, at that point is when i felt um this is the next album mm. yeah the, the direction this is the direction of the next album and everything was um made around that in a sense not with um actual intention um but uh um the, the relationships uh, the generality of it it's it really is um that's the one where when i was thinking about it and thinking about man this is like an orchestration and this is the one too i'm going to check my note on this really quick this is the one yeah i wanted to make the point about where you're you have this ability with sticking in leads that are fucking amazing like it just comes in here's this beautiful brilliant lead and it goes away and the song just kind of you know, morphs back into what it, it, it just, it's a beautiful departure, man. Um, so I guess I'm just, I don't expect you to respond per se. You're more than welcome to. I'll respond to that because like Paul's a really renowned guitarist around town, very renowned. Um, and I think a lot of people were surprised by the music on this album because they were still expecting like a full blown instrumental guitar album. And it comes out with all these crafted songs with like choruses and things like that. And I think that is not what we were expecting. Um, the guitar's still in there, but in terms of like, you know, soloing from start to finish in a song, um, a lot different to what people were expecting. Well, and, and it's laced in there beautifully, to my point. I just think, I, I think it, 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 it's one of those cases where less is a lot more mm. um, in, in, in this particular song. And, and, you know, using the term crafted, I think is really, really appropriate. I mean, this is, this is the same dude who's doing spiders attack. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's not a, exactly. it's not exactly a question. Right. Yeah. It's not a question of, of like understanding the guitar, you know, whatever the top percentage is, whatever that saying is the 99 percentile or whatever, you're well within that. That's not even a question here. So, but it's like the, the, the way of craftily dropping, slotting it in is really really beautiful man i mean it's in that rock and roll way it's a beautiful thing it's interesting what you were saying about the music like having a bit of a lovely vibe to it as well because it also fits the song like being like flowers and lies because yeah. the music might be lovely in one hand but those lyrics are pretty bitter towards the media and how they shape like absolutely realities right so you got that going on as well yeah you could have called the song truth but exactly you're, you're talking about like like how it they're they're it's counterpoint basically working against you know the beauty of the song in what you're saying and it's it's just it's like so insightful in a way it's it's in strange way i i I don't know if it's too insightful for rock and roll do you know what i mean i i I mean not for me i love it good it's just like i understand exactly what you're saying you know what i'm saying and it gets back because of the the political inclusion uh in a same sort of way i guess you know literally um um it does matter to uh to some people incite them 
Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that's the rock and roll part of it, even though it's it's a song that's kind of setting that's down nice. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, I'm only I'm being a smart ass today. I'm politely telling you to fuck off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the message uh, is yeah. gone. The message, yeah. What's where are the message bands today? Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not here. So everyone's playing it too safe. Yeah. Well, that could be not this overarching message or anything like that, but it's no. not your go down the pub and knock back a few beers and speed well, it's off funny. Your car, sort of no, song. I I think you're absolutely coming from Detroit, Detroit Rock City. Uh, you know, there's this whole mentality of what rock and roll is when you're raised there in those years. I don't think it's like that anymore. But it's funny at the club I work at, a lot of Australians come in and a lot of Europeans come in. And the Australian fellows always remind me of Detroit minded people. So that's where you would have that rock and roll mentality of being like, hey, hey, dude, fucking back, back off, man. Yeah, Give me my yeah, space. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I think you guys are, you guys are, it seems not to become political at all, but it seems like you're living in a country that still allows for people to have that disposition to some degree. Yeah. And everyone else is kind of, everyone else is kind of neutering themselves. Um, so I, I do like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's slowly being taken away though, where we're falling into line with other countries and things like that, where like you know, free speech is being a little bit stamped on. Yeah. Just the general overall uh, oppression. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's to my point. It, to a rock and roll dude, I'm, I am going to be the guy who gets in trouble because it's like, hey, fuck you, man. I ain't going to do that. Yeah. That one I'm not going to do. You know, I get we it. We have voices, and that's all we have left. You know, exactly. So, uh, until we're completely suppressed, there we need to use them. Yeah. You know, in whatever way that you can. And um, that's that's why that song is lovely, though. That's that's I again. I'm not trying to be political. I'm trying to say. I guess that's me being a contemporary American. I'm like, I don't want to get into politics, man. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> not, no, not that you guys are. I just want my just want audience. To <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you guys will do what I would do. It's like, fuck, I don't care. This is my opinion, John. This is, you know, you can like it or you don't have to like it. And that's cool. We can be cool. I don't know where that went, but that used to be rock and roll. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so exactly I dig, right. I dig oh. what you're saying about this song for that reason, because it's just, um, you guys do seem very, very much like a rock band and sure. should be respected as such, I, I feel. So, um, thank you very much. Yeah. Good work on that. Mm. Yeah. So, what's next for you guys? What do you guys got going on? Oh, vaccination, hospital. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah. It's so hard to plan. We're talking to a few different people now about distribution and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. We'd love to be playing live. We would love yeah, it. More but, than anything. Yeah. It's just uh, so hard to plan. There's songs being written. A lot of these songs were written a long time ago that are on the album. They only just come to fruition now. But so there's songs being written in the background. We'd like to do some more videos for the, yeah. for the songs on this album. Yeah. But, yeah. But in terms of playing live, which is our main goal, that seems to be so far away. Just getting out in the first place, be able to, you know, initially um, release the, the opening of the album. Mm. Yeah. And we able to do that launch, yeah, and we haven't been able to do that. So uh, that's quite dis um, disappointing about that. Um, and that sort of leads us a little bit, sort of, uh, what do we do? Yeah. Um, so, uh, as you mentioned before, we're, we've been working typically on, on things like PR and uh, um, and uh, the whole digital uh, 
media thing, of course. And so that that's uh, what we've been doing for a while now anyway. And uh, um, so that's what we have to be focused on um, because that's what the times is the same. Yeah. I, uh, I hadn't played out in a while and I kind of started doing it a couple of years back and I have a, a me, I sing with three guys, um, okay. and, uh, got the groove going, got everything happening, got it where I like it. Along comes COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm feeling yeah. like, fuck, I'll be a dead dinosaur by the time oh, it comes back. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you, know, you can imagine how many, um, acts or potential perspective yeah. that would have come to fruition but had this not come um, there's so many albums that bands have gotten a can and they're thinking what do we do now do we release yeah. it do we, do we hold back do we wait because yeah yeah I mean, by the time it gets out there they're going to be two three four years older yeah. um yeah um everything's changed uh Joey O'There's had uh, three kids since then, and yeah. you know he's put on. That's funny. Yeah. Well, putting on the pounds, I understand. Exactly. That's true, man. It's just it's a, it, you know, obviously it's a crazy ride. There's there's no real reason to talk talk about like how that's affected everyone by you know you know what I mean. I mean I've had that conversation yeah. with guys. Yeah. I know, every, yeah, and we all know it. And, uh, but it does, it, it, I like what you're saying because it does remind me like it, that's what it affects is like it, it, you feel like, I mean, again, I, I feel like I just, I was just kind of making something happen and now exactly it's just happened. drifting off, man. Yeah. And you we're know. trying to damn just to not to let it drift off, of course, and stay passionate about calls, mm-hmm. so to speak. And, you know, yeah. cause, um, uh, I'm quite aware and Steve and I are both together quite aware at, and as a band of what we've got and, and the potential um, that we do have. And uh, we're not uh, blind to it, not, and we're not being uh, silly about it either. And, uh, but we don't want to be pretentious about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just want to do some uh, good business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool, man. Where, where can fans find you? Oh, they can go to our website, which is at kmc3.com.net. Oh, let's edit that part. <laughs> you can go to our website, <laughs> kmc3.net. There's the tag. That's it. Or we've got everything on Bandcamp. Yeah. Fantastic, guys. And the machines yeah. of creation. Yeah. I cannot recommend listening to you guys enough to anyone who happens to be listening today. To me right now, I would strongly recommend that. Uh, guys, I cannot thank you enough for, for talking with me. Yeah, you guys are one of my favorite all-time bands. As far as oh, rock wow. and roll goes, guys, you guys wow. are kings. So okay. thank you, guys. Yeah, cool. Thank you very yeah. much. Hey there, this is John. I want to thank everyone for listening to the Mobile Radio Carnival at the CEF.world. I also want to say, hey, thanks, Paul and Steve, for being on the show. Yeah, well, what can I say about that? That was an amazing, amazing thing to hang out with those guys. They're a freaking fantastic band. Kaiser and the Machines of Creation. Normally, I play a sponsorship here at the end of the show, but this time out, I'm just going to play something to show you a little more of what these cats can do with uh, rock and roll vibe. (laughs) 